0: I'm going tonight to take you to the Old Testament to show you that spiritual warfare is not just a New Testament concept. In fact, I'm going to quote to you a uh, translation of Psalm 91 that is different from uh, the King James. I memorized it in the NIV. And I believe that everybody ought to memorize Psalm 91 regardless of whether you memorize it in one translation or another. I think it's a prerequisite for courageous walking with the Lord in the day in which we live. Let me quote it to you. I'd like to role model what I hope you'll do. Little over a year ago that I began to memorize this song. And it's just meant so much to me. I pray it every day. Never a day goes by but what I don't pray through this song. For my own protection, for my own uh, correct understanding of who I am and of uh, the authority that God has given me to protect my family. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. You will only observe and see with your eyes the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you don't strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, there's an outline that I think you were handed, prepared for you. And uh, this is a warfare outline really designed to enable you to walk in your freedom. Now, if you're familiar with the Psalms of David, you know how many times he prayed for deliverance from his enemies. It's almost redundant he mentions them so often. His enemies. Remember I used to? Be a little troubled by that. Why do you have so many enemies? Now sometimes when David prayed that way, he was talking about real tangible enemies, like an army of the Philistines, or the soldiers of Saul that had been sent out to hunt him down, or even Saul himself with his javelin in his hand, ready to pin David to the wall. Or as in one case, His uh, son Absalom, who turned on his father and was apparently going to kill him and take the kingdom from him, had not God sovereignly intervened. So David knew what it was to have real enemies. But as you read carefully in the Psalms, you'll discover that he also understood about fleshly enemies. And there's some of the psalms, like Psalm 25, where that seems to be what he's talking about. When he said that his enemies hated him with a cruel hatred, and he prayed, don't let my enemies triumph over me. And in that psalm he says, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. He had spiritual heart trouble. He knew that he had an inner problem That he wasn't able always to deal with. And it got him into much trouble. But the third enemy that David and the other psalmists were aware of was the supernatural evil enemy. The devil. And I don't believe there's any question, but what that's the enemy that the psalmist and tradition says Moses wrote the 91st Psalm. And I rather think that's true. And I'll share with you why uh, as we work through it. But this is a psalm that's meant to give you confidence that um, you have nothing to fear from the kingdom of darkness. Now I would say to you, and it's important to say this, this psalm is not something that every Christian has the right to claim. Now, please don't misunderstand me. And I think I stated that wrongly. You have the right to claim it, but you cannot claim it unless you are dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Now, that's a word that's much like the New Testament word for abiding in Christ. If you are simply going through life, living your life the way you want to, with no thought of being rightly related to your Lord every moment, and walking in your freedom over your flesh and the world and Satan, then you can't claim this song. But if you are seeking to appropriate your victory, Day by day, moment by moment. And this psalm belongs to you. Now notice what it says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the shelter, the provided safety of the Most High. Now that word Most High is the word Elyon. It's one of the names for God in the Old Testament. It means the highest of the high. It's a superlative word. It means that you have to think as high as you can and try to imagine the lofty greatness of God. And when you have reach the very zenith of your ability, you're not there yet. He's higher than that. It's a superlative word. Because God is really measureless. He's infinite in His greatness. I remember one time a few years ago, Anita and I were sent down to uh, Markle Island in Florida in January by the people of the church that we pastored at that time. I'd had the flu and seemed like I was not getting over it. And so they decided that maybe the Florida sun would help me. Without us even knowing it, they bought us each a plane ticket. They had arranged the rental of a condominium and um, flew us down to Marco Island, which was a great, great experience for us. And we were one day uh, by the pool, soaking up the sunshine, and if you've ever been down to southern Florida in the winter, you know those great birds, condors and eagles are there by the thousands. And sometimes you can just see them all over the sky. And I was watching these giant birds soaring in the sky. And I asked uh, one of the natives how you could tell which ones were eagles and which one were condors. He said, well, it's rarely very difficult when they're up in the sky like that, but the eagles always fly higher than the condors. And sometimes they just fly for the sake of flying. So I was there at the pool and on my a uh, lounge looking up in the sky, and I had 20, 20 vision back then. And I was watching these two giant, I assume, eagles soaring round and round in the heavens. And I said to myself, I wonder how high they can go. And I kept watching them, and they kept getting smaller and smaller. And all of a sudden, they disappeared from my sight. They were too high. And all I could say was, Higher than that. Well, that's the kind of word this is. When you read the thought that he's the most high, you, you can't measure that. He's the highest of the high. And when you dwell there in his provided safety, then you will abide or you will rest in the shadow or under the shadow of the Almighty. Now that's another name for God. It's the Hebrew word Shaddai. It's another superlative word. It means the mightiest of the mighty. It means that he has measureless power. No way can man ever begin to understand his almightiness. He's the Almighty One. And you will abide under the shadow. And I love that. Because shadow means he's very near to you. I remember when our children were young that uh, we tried to rear our girls with a free spirit. We have three daughters, and I remember the two oldest ones. We used to take them with us in Colorado where we lived in some of our sightseeing vacations in the summer. And we'd stand on the edge of the Black Canyon of the Gunnison, for example, which is that tremendously deep gorge. And in those times, it wasn't unusual for me to look down and see a daughter hanging onto each leg. They, they wanted to be near dad. Because it was kind of threatening and, and, uh, very, very high. You know, that did something for them. But I think it did even more for me. I just love to have them near me. In my shadow. God's like that. Shaddai is like that. And when you're dwelling in the shelter of El you'll rest. You'll find safety and peace in the shadow of Shaddai. Then he goes on and says, I will say of the Lord, here's a third name for God. And my fortress. He's my place of safety, my protection, my God in whom I trust. Uh, Can someone get me a glass of water again? My throat is bothering me. But here he says that, that we will enjoy His refuge, His protection, because He's Lord. That's God's personal name. And then you'll notice He says, He's my God, my Elohim. Uh, Elohim is a singular plural word. And it... uh, literally means uh, God is singular. He's one God, but He's plural. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you see what the psalmist has done. He's exalted the greatness of God. He's the highest of the high, Elion, the mightiest of the mighty, Shaddai, the personal God, He's Lord, and He's Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now notice what he says. Surely He, this is Shaddai, will deliver you, thank you, deliver you from the fowler's snare or the snare of the fowler. I remember years ago, one of the first books I read on spiritual warfare was entitled The Snare of the Fowler. Satan is a fowler. Now, you to understand that, you have to study a little about who a fowler is. A fowler was a hunter who was very brutal. Uh, He had, he would put out some bait, then he would stand hidden, and uh, he had a, a weapon like a boomerang, which when that which he wanted to capture would come to his bait, he would throw his weapon and brutally wound that which he was after, so that he could capture it or kill it, whatever happened to be his purpose. And so, he's talking here about Elion, about Shaddai, about Jehovah, about Elohim, pre- protecting you from the devil, who's brutal and ruthless, and cruel. And you'll notice it says, and from the noisome or the deadly pestilence. If he can't capture you, he wants to kill you. And I'm convinced, if Satan had his way, he'd kill us all as Christians. He does have the power of death, but he's still under the restraint of Jehovah, our God. Now then, not only do we have that promise, but look at verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. This is a picture of an old setting hymn. I don't know if you've ever been on a farm. If you haven't, you've missed half your life. I was reared on a farm. And uh, one of my favorite things on the farm is what this picture. My father used to raise chickens, usually for laying eggs, but every once in a while, an old setting hen would steal away from the flock and she would lay her eggs and then set on them And on the appointed day, she would come out with her little brood. And I remember how much I, as a boy, used to love that. Watching the way she took care of them. And that old setting hen had a certain kind of cluck. When danger came around, she'd cluck. And all those little chicks, wherever they were, they would just come rushing to her and she'd fluff her feathers and... They would gather under feathers, and oh, the fierceness of the protection of that old setting. I used to love to just take my dog and try to go close to her. Now, my dog was a fighting animal, and he wasn't afraid of anything. Cattle, rats, you name it. But I tell you, when he came near that old setting hymn, protecting her chicks, there was something about that expression of the wrath of protective nature that he'd cower and want to get away. He just knew, don't touch that. Now, that's the kind of protective care God promises to you from Satan. This is not a setting head that he's talking about. This is Shaddai, the mightiest of the mighty. Elio, the highest of the high. This is Jehovah, the Lord. Elohim. And he puts you under his feathers, under his wings, shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He's going to do it. And so there's a Fearless, protected, comforted, hiding place. You're also going to have to be sure of fearless, confident skirmishes. Notice what he said in verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Fear is one of Satan's chief tools against us. In fact, we're going to see tomorrow night. That fear is one of the chief ways that Satan tempts you. He wants you to be afraid. And so, it was in the Old Testament. But when you know Elyon and Shaddai, you don't have to be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Satan shoots at you all day long nor for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Satan shoots at you all day long. And it just tells you something of the fierceness of the battle that believers have to deal with. And it was so in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament. The next thing I want you to see is that you can be sure of failing, falling victims. Look at verse 7. A thousand shall fall at thy side. Here he's talking about victims of Satan. And ten thousand at your right hand. And look around you, friends. They're falling, falling, falling. But it shall not come Nigh thee. It won't touch you. Only with your eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Now you could look at this one of two ways. You could say, well I'm going to dwell in the shelter of the Most High so that I'll be safe. And you kind of strut around in your confidence and your surety. Now, the Lord wants you to be that way. But not in order that you would not care about the falling victims. See, if you understand the Word of God, the Lord protects you, not just so that you can be so confident and so safe, but so that in your safety, you'll be able to get down where those hurting, falling victims are and bind up their wounds. And help them. And if you don't, who will? So the message is that the Lord wants you to be confident in order that you'll be there to bind up the brokenhearted and the wounded and help them find healing. And that's really the heart of spiritual warfare. It's being able to walk in your freedom with such peacefulness and rest that you have all you need to share with the broken and the hurt. Then you can be sure of caring, protecting angels. I hope you've learned to really appreciate the ministry of angels. Look at verse 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, this is a testimony of the psalmist. Even the Most High, that's Elune, your habitation, there shall no evil befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. What a wonderful promise that if you're making the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord Jehovah, who the psalmist says, He's my refuge. No harm's going to befall you. No Satan-caused harm. No Satan-caused disaster is going to come near your house. See, this is for parents to claim protection over your household with a watchfulness and a care that keeps them safe. Notice what he says. Verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. How wonderful that angels are assigned to you and me. To those who are dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Angels watch over you. To guard you in all your ways. And they lift you up in their hands. They're interested whether you are going to stub your feet on a stone or not. Which shows the extensiveness of their care. Now Satan knew this psalm was about him. You remember this is the psalm he quoted when he tempted Christ. Out in the wilderness. He quoted this psalm. And it certainly applied to Christ. Because the Lord Jesus was... uh, One who dwelt in the shelter of the Most High. And he had made the Most High his dwelling. It applied to him, certainly. And Satan knew that. But it also applied to Moses. And it applies to everyone who's dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. I rather think that Moses had in mind that event when, remember, He was in his house with his family with the blood on the doorpost and the death angel. I'm sure it must have been Satan because we learned that he has the power of death. That is the devil, Hebrews tells us. And when he passed through Egypt that night with the right that God had granted to him to take the life of the eldest son in every home, he couldn't get in the Hebrew homes. He couldn't get in Moses' house. Because the blood was there. And he had to pass over. And of course that's a beautiful picture of your safety. Now Satan conveniently left out verse 13. And notice what it says. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, adder, poison snake. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Now the lion, I believe, is the devil. And the adder is the serpent. So here's a picture of the believer who's dwelling where he ought to dwell, just walking all over Satan in defeat of the enemy. Now that's what God has ordained for you. we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. Christians are to be absolutely fearless. Not presumptuous. There's a great deal of difference. But fearless. Because they know who they are. And what God has bestowed upon them. Now look. Look at God's response. In uh, verses 14 to 16. God says, because he has set his love upon me, God is responding to the prayer of Moses or the psalmist. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. God never promised to keep us from all trouble, just that he'd be with us. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now I had learned this psalm, memorized it, and prayed it to God for about every day for a year before I saw something that I've just recently seen in this song. I remember when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute, we had a professor, Dr. Wilbur M. Smith, back in those days, who taught us Daniel. I remember Dr. Wilbur M. Smith. Sometimes he'd be teaching away in Daniel, reading some of it, and he had a way of taking his hand and hitting himself between the eyes, and he would suddenly say, I never saw that before. Look at this. And he'd give us some new insight that he just got from God. Well, that's what the Lord did for me. You see, I knew that this psalm was talking about people who abide or dwell in the shelter of the Most High. But I didn't think that the psalm defined for us who those people are. But that's what this closing part does. Let me show you. Who are these people who dwell? First of all, they're people that love the Lord. God says, Because he has set his love upon me. Do you love the Lord? Well, if you're saved, you certainly have that capacity. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And, but I think you ought to tell Him. I believe part of dwelling in the shelter of the Most High is telling the Lord that you love Him. I'm amazed at how many people that I counsel who are hurting. I'll say to them, did your dad ever tell you, I love you, son? I love you, Mark. It's amazing how many times they've had to say, I never heard those words. I knew He loved me, but He never told me. You may say, well, God knows I love Him. Have you told Him today? Well, I grant you, you don't love Him as perfectly as you will, but do you love Him? Have you told him? That's part of abiding or dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. He says, therefore will I deliver him. The second thing about these people who dwell is that they know his name. What does that mean? That means you're growing in your appreciation of who God is Did you notice how he dwelt on the names of God? Elyon, the highest of the high. Shaddai, the mightiest of the mighty. Jehovah, Elohim. And he keeps coming back to God's names. Why? Because the names of God tell you something about God. And you learn to know Him better. And a person who's dwelling in the shelter of the Most High is somebody that's growing in his awareness of who God is. And that's why memorizing the Scripture and praying it back to God There's no substitute for that, friends. You ought to be doing that. It ought to be a part of your life. So there are people who love Him, people who are growing in their knowledge of Him. And the third thing, is there people who pray, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. They have a prayer life. They just won't quit. They come and they come and they come and they come in prayer. That's part of dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. And the fourth thing is that these people find all of their delight in God. Let me show you how he touches on that. First of all, they look to him when they're in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. They look to him to deliver them. I will deliver him. They look to Him for their honor and honor Him. Who are you trying to have honor you? Well, all of us enjoy honor, whether it's from mom and dad, our children, our boss, a word of appreciation from Christian friends. But the one who really matters is God. Do you want God to honor you? Is that the one you're looking to for your honor? With all your heart? Then he says, with long life. Who are you looking to for your life? The doctors? The new um, um Clinton Health Program? Who are you looking to? Are you looking to the Lord for your life? Every day you're giving your body to Him. It's part of your worship. And then He says, I will satisfy Him. Are you looking to the Lord for your satisfaction? And then when all of it's over, God says, I'll show him my salvation. Perhaps you know that the word salvation in the Hebrew is the word Yeshua. I'll show him my Jesus. I'll show him my Jesus. People who honor God and dwell in His shelter are people who are doing the things God honors here. There are people that love him. There are people that uh, get to know him better through his names. They call upon him. And they look to him for everything in life. Their deliverance, their honor their satisfaction, their very life. And when that's over, they want to be with Jesus. And that's going to come, dear friend.